John watched on in disbelief as he drifted away on a piece of wood in the freezing waters of the Arctic, slowly drifting away. John looked upon the vessel he had worked and lived on as it raised its enormous bow high into the sky, then broke in half, causing a sound that only a crack of lightning could replicate. Distraught and dumbstruck, believing that he, and he alone, knew the dark truth behind the demise of the unsinkable ship, the Titanic. Five days earlier, as the Titanic set sail on its maiden voyage, John worked hard alongside his mates in the coal bunker, stocking up the coal to feed the Titanic's mighty furnace. They had stocked and stored more than John had ever witnessed on any other ship he'd worked on. But this was the Titanic, the grandest ship to have ever sailed the seas. On the Titanic, there could never be too much coal. As they left Belfast and pushed toward Southampton, there was a large bang below decks that went unnoticed. The furnace was roaring and the turbines were spinning, pushing the Titanic forward at a quickened pace. The crew cheered as the vessel moved forward, unaware of the loud concerning noise. Arriving in Southampton, Greg came aboard, amongst hundreds of other passengers. With 13 years at sea, his vast experience included the role as a quartermaster on six previous ships. Ready for a new challenge aboard the greatest vessel ever made, he was looking forward to this next challenge of his career. Greg came with a wealth of experience, especially with sailing through the Arctic. His role was vital within the crew, understanding the seas around the North Pole. He would be a key lookout as they set to cross the perilous path of the Iceberg Alley. Greg had some concerns regarding the voyage. The Earth's orbit was remarkably close to the sun and the moon, causing higher tides. This would make icebergs more prominent, drifting them further away and towards the route of the Titanic as they journeyed to New York. Assessing the lookout tower and inspecting the available gear, Greg found no binoculars. This made him concerned, but the sailors just laughed at Greg. If the deck is short on ice cubes, we'll be sure to plow right through a berg to resupply. A sailor laughed. Greg didn't share this sentiment. Eager to find out why they had been left short-handed on equipment, since he had such a vital role on the ship, Greg inquired further. Sadly, the officer with the keys to the binocular supply cupboard had been removed from the crew at the last minute. Greg couldn't believe something of this importance had been overlooked. For such a mighty ship with so many people aboard and crossing in a particularly perilous path, this just didn't make sense. But not wanting to be fined for breaking into the ship's property, Greg let it slide, hoping that they wouldn't need the binoculars in the end. Ultimately, if there were icebergs expected, a warning call would be made to the captain, informing of any concerns. Little did Greg know that a warning had been received, notifying of the dangers that awaited. But the telegram didn't provide the required prefix, which would have ensured direct delivery to the captain. So the critical warning was just overlooked. John and his crew below decks prepared for departure, stoking the engines. He noticed an essence of thick exhaust, far too heavy than what would be expected from the furnaces. The crew searched throughout the lower decks. Following a thorough search, they managed to locate the cause of the exhaust. It was an ignited pile of coal within a coal bunker. Unknown when it had ignited, a buildup of coal had clearly been smoldering, slowly growing in size. The amount of smoldering coal was concerning. The alarm was raised, alerting an officer to review the matter. 
The officer assessed the damage and confirmed with the captain that it was deemed to be of little concern, as only minor damage had been caused. John was unsure of this assessment, as he knew that in confined spaces, surrounded by iron bulkheads, an oven-like environment arises that intensifies the heat with time. But the Titanic would power forward, making no sense to John as they had only just departed from Southampton. He was sure they would have turned back. John and his crew were ordered to shovel the already lit coal into the furnace and continue shoveling until all the smoldering contents would be contained. It was a possible but painstaking task that could take the entire journey. The continuous intake of coal would ensure the turbines would spin at a constant accelerated pace, not what the Titanic was designed for. It was meant to be a luxurious passenger liner and not for breaking speed records. However, the crew would find enthusiasm in not only acknowledging the Titanic as unsinkable, but also as the fastest. John and his crew continued to shovel the coal into the furnace for several days. The temperature within the bow was becoming hotter every day. The bulkhead's contained heat was so severe that it became weak at the seams and the iron walls and rivets. Two more days, lads, just two more days. John was laughing, trying to raise the spirits of his mates as they were working tirelessly. But as they were all laughing, joking, and looking forward to dry land, they unknowingly approached their final destination. The Titanic was speeding through the calm sea. Greg looked ahead, above in the lookout tower, keeping a keen eye out as they were in iceberg territory now. Even though the way seemed clear, false horizons could occur, creating confusion about how far objects in the distance truly were. As they were traveling in the Gulf Stream waters into the colder Labrador current, air columns cooled from the bottom upwards, creating a thermal inversion. This incredibly high air pressure ensured fog wasn't present, providing a deceptively clear outlook. But the thermal inversion can also create optical illusions, showing the horizon further away, appearing higher in the distance, or masking whatever objects that could come before it. These false horizons could easily hide any icebergs that could be approaching. Greg knew the perils of a calm sea in the Arctic, preferring the rough waters, where it's easier to detect icebergs within waves. Peering from the lookout, Greg was looking towards the dark abyss ahead. Suddenly, within one mile directly in front, a formidable image quickly emerged from the dark waters surrounding. Iceberg right ahead! Greg yelled to his mate who quickly called to the helm and directed them to steer hard to starboard. The helmsman received the call. In the heat of the moment, he turned the wheel counterclockwise. He then realized he'd turned the wheel the wrong way and quickly went in the opposite direction. The ship aimed towards the iceberg, veering to the port side whilst reducing speed. Although there was a delay in turning the wheel, since there was a short distance from the signal and the fast pace that they sailed at, it may not have made a difference. As they approached the iceberg, it appeared as though they'd miss it, but over 87% of an iceberg is underwater. And as they came along the side, the hidden ice underneath hit the port side bow, piercing the side of the hull with a 12-square-foot tear. The ship shook, with all aboard aware that something was amiss. Amongst the confusion and fear, they were oblivious of the damage. As they gathered their bearings, 6 out of 16 compartments were quickly filling up with seawater. The hull could only withstand four compartments filling before sinking. Time was ticking as the Titanic made its descent into the depths. 
The weakened bulkhead with heated steel pillars and rivets broke under the pressure and sudden change of temperature from the ice-cold water. The call was made to abandon the ship. Lifeboats were prepared to be released, while help signals were sent out to nearby ships. The radio operator was guiltily sitting, constantly calling out to a nearby ship that had been in contact with the Titanic recently. There was steady communication with this ship over the past few days, providing warnings of icebergs since the Titanic departed from Southampton. The final warning message received was just one hour ago. Upon receiving the final warning, the operator ignorantly responded, shut up, with the assumption that their warnings of icebergs were pointless. Following this unfortunate response, the ship turned their radio off and provided radio silence. The closest ship that was responding to their distress signals was 500 miles away, too far to provide any assistance in time. There were countless mistakes that caused the Titanic's watery end, whether they contributed directly or from sheer ignorance. The most tragic of them was the number of people aboard the ship, 2,224 of them. There were only enough lifeboats provided to rescue 1,178, barely half of the people.